Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We didn't come here begrudgingly. I'm, I'm not aggravated because I'm here. <laughs> Amen. I'm certainly not aggravated because you're here. We're here in the presence of the Lord to let him do something. This song joins um, the thought Brother Rayleigh had just a few weeks ago when he stood behind this very desk. I referred to the passage of Scripture where the Lord told Moses to remove his sandals, his shoes, because as insignificant as that may seem to us, the Lord said, I want nothing between me and you. And so whatever it is today, we need to remove, even if it seems insignificant. We need to remove everything we possibly can from between us and what I feel like God wants to set free in us today, impart into us today through the power of his word. Amen. Let's pray over that word right now, can we? I love you today, Jesus. Oh, how I love you today. How I love you today, Jesus. I am asking you now to let the authority of the Holy Ghost, God, let it rest upon this congregation right now. Let it rest upon me and my heart and mind now. Your word is real. Your word is relevant. Your word is never outdated. And so I pray, God, that a fresh anointing will touch an old writ. And let it find a place in our heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated in the fear of the Lord. This morning I want to talk to you about the subject of faith. I want to talk about two aspects of faith. First, I want to talk about what happens when we, through faith, release the Lord to work in our lives because I believe that we hold the key to what God desires to do not only in us, but through us. Amen. It is one thing for God to do a mighty work in us. We certainly rejoice in that realization, but there also must be an awareness that God wants to do something through us. And there's a huge difference between a vessel that just holds water and a vessel that can be shared from. Amen. There are some vessels that are just designed to hold water. They're not necessarily designed, molded, or uh, fixed in a fashion where it is conducive to pour from them. However, there are some vessels that we have in our home that that is their very design. They're not just designed to hold something but they're designed to pour from or to share with. And so 
I remember uh, not long ago, I accidentally brought, broke the, uh, our coffee container and uh, trying to rinse it out one morning. And, and, um, and so I had to buy a new one. And when I bought the new one, there was just something strange about the way it was molded. And you could not pour from it without it just pouring everywhere, all over the counter. And so I still had the old broken one. And I began to look at that particular part of the mold. And I, I pointed it out to my wife. This is just extremely different. And, and, and you see the difference somehow or another. Too much heat applied to the glass or whatever it may have been. And so I uh, went to take that back and get another one. We certainly wasn't going to stop drinking coffee. <laughs> Every coffee drinker agreed to that in Jesus' name, didn't we? <laughs> so we found a workaround because we needed a vessel that we could pour from that would work. And so it's not enough to just hold something, contain something. And sadly, from the vantage point of being a shepherd, I can tell you that sadly too many people are just reservoirs. They have the Holy Ghost. They got it written down in the front of their Bible when and where it happened. They were baptized. They got it written down in their Bible when and where it happened. But that's as far as it went. It is just a reservoir of an experience. And they have never allowed God to pour through them and into another life or into another purpose or, or a word we use a lot around here, into another ministry because we certainly don't believe that the ministry of any church should be relegated to what can only happen behind this desk. And uh, I'm thankful to know that firsthand that is not the case uh, here with the church by and large. And so I want to understand that, that God wants to not only do something in me, but he wants to do something through me. And so if we can embody that or rather embrace that as a body today to realize that God doesn't just want to do something for us as a church. I think he does. And I think God is doing something for us. But I believe the bigger aspect of that is that God is wanting to do something through us. And so then the crux of the matter then boils it down to my title today. And I don't want you to think that this is just self-centered, but I, I've tried to take a few moments to introduce my subject because I want you to understand it. I, I know that, that there are things that happen in our life. What happens in our lives, as I mentioned a moment ago about faith, what happens when we release God to work in our lives. And then the second aspect of that is what happens when we, through the lack of faith, hinder the Lord from working in our lives. And so with that said, I want to preach to you this morning or talk about for a little while this subject, it's up to me. It's up to me what God does in my life. Therefore, in a broader scope, it is up to me as to what happens in the life, not only present, but future of this church. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to think about that in the sense of ownership. I wasn't referring to the fact that it's up to me, Steve Allen Boyd, what happens in the future of this church. I want to talk to all of us, and I want you to have that train of thought. Where this church goes in its future is up to me. Amen. Would you say that with me this morning? It's up to me. It's up to me. And uh, we think about the church sometimes as some foreign entity. It, it, not at all. The church is made up of, of men and women. And so 
Uh, I've said often that we can't hide behind, we can't hide behind the reputation of a body. We've got to personalize things. And so we can say, you know, I'm thankful to be a part of a giving church. And now we are a giving church. Every year we give sacrificially to missions and, and whatever needs beyond that may present themselves. We give into the lives, not only of missionaries that are at work in their field, but as we have mission services, whether that's home or foreign, we not only help them uh, sustain themselves on deputation, but we try to go beyond their present need and make sure that, that we have given generously to the, into their lives and into their ministry. And so I'm thankful for that. But before we say, I'm glad that I'm a part of a giving church, what we need to do individually is pull out our own check register. Is this all right? Because it's one thing to be a part of a giving church, but you got to make sure you're giving and that you're not just dependent on somebody else to do that. When we say, I'm thankful to be a part of a praying church or a worshiping church, we, we need to really analyze we need to think about, do, do we pray? Do I pray? I can't ask about you. I need to ask about me. Do I pray? I, I, I've referred to this several times, and, and uh, many years ago we did a 21-day uh, prayer journal of consecration. It was a very private thing. That's how at least it was presented to the church. I went as far to just saying to our even husbands and wives, this is none of your business what is is in your wife's journal, your husband's journal. It was a 21-day journal of, uh, we wrote down how, how if we prayed that day and how long we prayed that day. And, and if we read our Bible that day and how many chapters of the Bible we read that day. And if we witnessed that day or if we did not witness that day. And, and I feel a real tension coming in the building because, because you think that's what we're going to do again. Like, oh, no. That's, that's not at all my point in bringing it up. My point in bringing it up is it was pretty shocking. It's pretty telling. The doctor says, you've been, you've been eating right? Oh, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> but I wonder if you wrote it down. And he said, all right, I want you to write down every meal you had and, and, the, and the, the quantity of every meal that you had. I want you to bring that back to me if you... It would be pretty telling if we had to write it in black and white, if we had to put it all down. And, I, I, and so I want to talk about faith, what happens when we release God to work in our lives and what happens when we hinder the Spirit of God from working in our lives. And I think we will note before we leave here today that we hold the outcome of many things in our hands. You know, we're living in a society today, a very... Uh, a litigious society where people are always looking for the, to blame someone else. They're wanting to pin something on somebody else. I mean, uh, and so if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can bring that same mindset into the church. And so if the church is not doing certain things, we try to look around and see who can we, we can pin that on. I mean, who can we blame that on? And so without first going to the mirror and analyzing me, and saying, I wonder what I could be contributing or not contributing to this matter. If you will join me in the book of Mark, chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And again, uh, the, the kind of familiar stomping ground to some. Mark 6 and 1. And when he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples, and he went out from thence and came into his own country, 
and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works, what an admission, mighty works are wrought by his hands. Verse 3, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Think about it. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he, Jesus, marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. This is a passage of scripture that I think ought to challenge the hearts of every person. Certainly every person that is filled with the Holy Spirit. It ought to confront us. It ought to confront us on many levels, but it certainly ought to confront us in this sense. In this particular passage of Scripture, we see emphatically the miraculous power of the Lord hindered by those that beheld him in the synagogue. We see something that I think we ought to pull into the 21st century church and even into this very service today. And we we ought to, with great awareness, consider If these people had the ability to do this then, do we not possess the ability to do this now? First, look at the series of questions that were posed. It seemingly started out right, but somewhere along the way, they ran off track. They began to ask questions. They were marveling. They saw Jesus teaching in the synagogue. They said, where did this man get these things? Where in the world did this come from? Where, where was the wellspring that, that this could even possibly happen? They said, they said, and what is the wisdom that is given to him? I mean, they were pretty taken aback by what was going on in the synagogue. And then they asked this question, how are such mighty works done by his hands? Now, it all sounds good. How in the world? They were kind of marveling at what was happening in the synagogue. They were taken by what was going on. But listen to the next question and then watch what happens. This was after they had admitted such wonderful things happening in their midst. Is not this, they said, the carpenter. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Now watch the tragedy as, that, as, as it begins to unfold. And the Bible says, and they took offense at him. He meant, who are you to be doing such? Who do you think you are? You know, this is kind of a common trait that we see all throughout Scripture to anyone who stepped out to do something significant for the Lord. Joseph, and maybe he was a little bit premature in sharing his dreams, but Joseph obviously was mildly touched by God. He goes to his father and his brothers and he shares with them, and essentially they say, who do you think you are? When, when David was sent into the battle to check on his brothers and he began to hear the cry of Goliath and see Israel as they were hiding, he was indignant 
about the, the spirit of the enemy stopping the mighty work of God. And he said, I, I want to find out now what I need to do to get involved in this battle. And his brother said to him, essentially, who do you think you are? I'm going to tell you today that if one in this building would rise and say, I want to be mildly used of God, you can expect one thing, and that's somebody from within your own camp that may say, who in the world do you think you are? But I'm going to tell you today that God has always used man. He has relegated himself to mankind, and mighty men and women of God have been used to leave indelible prints in the sands of time. And we are where we are today, not just because of James. We're not just here because of Paul and Peter and Matthew and John. But I'm gonna tell you, we are here today because there were some names that of more current times that said, I'm gonna rise and I am gonna do something today powerful for the hand of God. Did they have to swim upstream at some time? at some point in time in their life, I'm sure. Did they, did they had to put up with ridicule at, from others at some point in time. I am confident, most confident, but I am so thankful that they were not dissuaded by the snarling unbelief of others, but they said, it is up to me. If something is going to happen of significance, then it is up to me. It is up to me. When I think of the giant's when I think of the giants among Pentecost, there are many names that rise to the surface. But when I think of the giants among Pentecost, when we see them on a camp meeting platform or we see them on a general conference, behind a general conference podium, we can somehow think that mystically God just plucked them up and set them there and there was no Joseph journey in their life. But do not be fooled, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. That man or that woman that stood mildly used of God or will stand in the future mildly used of God had somewhere in their life realized that if something's going to happen then it is up to me it is up to me I'm asking us today to get our eyes off the pulpit I'm asking us to get our eyes off the musical instruments and get our eyes off the Sunday school teachers and get our eyes off the children and student ministry leaders and get our eyes off the ministerial portion of this church and say I want to find a mirror I want to find a mirror and a prayer room and I want to stand there and say God if anything is going to happen in this church if anything is going to happen in my life then it is up to me it is up to me I am going to have to let the spirit and the power of an almighty God transform me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet they were they were they were offended at him Jesus responded by saying a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown among his own relatives in his own household. It seems there that I'm looked at differently. And then watch what happened by their lack of faith. The Bible says that he could do no mighty work there. He could do no mighty work there. Except, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. If you will, please note the disparity between what happened and apparently what could have happened. Amen, look at the difference between what really did unfold and the possibilities that could have unfolded. The scripture plainly declares that he laid hands on a few sick people 
and emphatically states they were healed. Amen. Now, I think by anyone's standards that someone being healed would constitute a miracle. I mean, there was a miracle, a measure of miracles that had happened. Amen. He said there he did no mighty work there. He did no mighty thing there except that he just laid hands on a few sick people and they were healed. It's plain to see that Jesus went there with the intent to do far more than just heal a few sick people. Amen. It's plain to see that this that that that, that they wrote this whole thing off because he was merely Joseph's the son. He was just merely the carpenter. They missed the fact that he desired to do a mighty work in their midst. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful. I am so grateful for the spirit and the power of God that we feel when we gather into this church. Whether it is Sunday morning or whether it is Wednesday night. Whether the building is full to capacity or just half full. Amen. God's spirit just moves. There's such a sweet presence of his power. I'm always humbled by that. Always standing in awe of that. And I realize that God has, has, has come into this place and he desires to do something. And so I, I want to then be sensitive to what is it that you want to do. Amen. Is there just a few things that you want to do? Are there just a few sick folk that will be touched? Are there just a few small issues that will be ministered to? Or is there a mighty move that you're wanting to let loose in our midst. Is there a mighty move, something beyond my mind, something beyond my imagination that you are wanting to do? Amen, God, help us. If we would look into the, into the heart of these people and realize that they just saw with the natural eyes that he was the carpenter. Once they realized who he was, why, they just put him right back in the box. They put him right back in the box of humanity where they felt like he belonged. That's very troubling because there's something we need to understand about this man called Jesus. John 12 and 44 and 45. The Bible says that Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. Amen. He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. They missed something here. They missed. They, they just had him still with a hammer hanging on his side. They had him still with sawdust in his hair. They had him still with calluses on his hands. And they failed to realize that he said, when you have seen me or when you believe on me, you are believing on him that sent me. And when you seeth me, you're going to see him that sent me. Amen. Oh, oh, hear me today that what we feel this morning is not just the pity of a Jesus that has walked in our midst who said well you know they showed up so I need to honor my word because I said if you come together in my name I'll be in their midst I'm going to tell you what you feel this morning in the presence of God is not the pity of God that decided he would show up because we showed up but what you feel this morning when we begin to sing that first song is the power of God the majesty of God. He said, I didn't come here out of sorrow. I didn't come here because I felt sorry for you, but I come to do some mighty works. I come to do something beyond you can dream. I come to do something beyond what you can dare imagine. Think about the words of Jesus to Philip. 
Jesus said unto him, verse 9 of John 14, he said, have I been so long time with you and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? Have I been so common or become so common that you don't even know who I am? He that has seen the Father, amen, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Have you, have you forgotten that I am he? I am he, amen, I am he. John 10 and 30 says, I and my Father are one. And with that, we understand that Jesus in the synagogue on that day in Mark was not working with some lesser power. He was not working with some second tier authority, but he was God manifest in the flesh. Therefore, he was working with full power, hear me, and he was working with full authority. The same power that was behind the creative words of Genesis 1 when the Bible says, and God said, was the same voice that was crying out in the synagogue hear me today hear me today and it is the same voice that is in this building this morning amen the God that said let there be light hear me today is in this house this holy house right now and so I think we better unfold our arms I think we better shake ourselves I think we better rise to the occasions and say God is here he wants to do a work but it is up to me it is up to me it is up to me oh it is up to me oh yes it is oh yes it is please please don't say take what I'm about to say as some disparaging remarks but it's a strange view from behind this desk. It's an odd view from behind this desk. I watch service in and service out, year in and year out, for more than two and a half decades now. I've stood behind this desk and I've watched the Spirit of God move and I've watched Holy Ghost filled saints respond. I've watched them say, I can't contain this. I gotta do something. Whether that doing something was standing where they were and lifting their hands or clapping their hands or praying or tears rolling down their face or whether they had to just move out into the aisle or do whatever. I, I, and then I've seen that same, I've seen those same Holy Ghost filled people, amen, that are stand there. Their arms are folded. Their spirit is indignant. They are so unimpressed by the power and the Spirit of God. While some is rejoicing, while some are being delivered, I've watched men and women sleep Hear me, I'm talking about literally sleep, nearly snore, sleep. During the while, the presence of the Lord is moving and I think it is, you're right, it is up to you what you get out of this service. If you want to nap, sleep on. Amen, if you just want to rest, sleep on. Oh, hallelujah. But I realized when I walked in the door today that if I get anything from God, if I get anything from heaven, if I pull anything into my spirit, it is up to me. It is up to me. So I'm not going to let, hear me, I say this respectfully, but I'm not going to let the song this man chooses determine whether or not I get something out of the service. I'm not going to let it. I refuse to let it. 
I think he prays about all that and he's he, he taking that in the spirit. I'm saying it then. I'm not gonna let the tempo of the song. I'm not gonna let whether it's an old song or a new song. I'm not gonna let whether it's a hymn or a chorus. I'm not gonna let that determine. It doesn't matter to me who's preaching. It doesn't matter to me how much skill they got. It does, oh, hear me. It's up to me. I gotta get something out of this. I gotta get something out of this. I'm gonna lean in. I'm gonna lean in. I'm gonna lean in. I have got to get something out of this. But you know, it don't take much to throw some people just completely off. Start out in the wrong key. You see strange things from the vantage point of this book. Just, just let it get a little bit heated. People are worshiping, the air conditioner doing all they can. Turn around staring at anybody that they, they can make eye contact with who could just instantly chill the building off. Won't you just worship God? It'll work out in a little while. It'll all pan out in a little while. Amen. Sitting there, freeze and move a little bit. See what happens. Get your blood going. See what happens. <laughs> Do a little bit of this. Amen. Give it a little bit of that and see what happens. It's up to me, it's up to me, it's up to me. It's up to me what I get out of this service. If I come to critique every little thing, if I come to just point out every little fault, if I come to figure out every little word that was mispronounced, every, every little sentence structure that wasn't right, and if that's what I come to get out with it, help yourself, darling. But I'm gonna tell you that I need a move of God. I need something in God. I need something in God that I can't even describe. I need something in God. I can't even put my hands around it. I can't even wrap my mind around it. And so I'm searching. I'm searching because it is up to me. It is up to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I pose this question. How is it possible that the creative voice of Genesis that is now speaking in Mark in the synagogue, how is it that he could do no mighty work there? We understand that God can do anything. Job 42 and 2 says, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. So what could be so powerful that it would keep Jesus from working miracles? Verse 6 gives us clear indication it was their unbelief. With that said, think about the effect that unbelief can have on our walk with God. If faith can have such an impact to do positive things, then is not the opposite true? If faith can release God to do something in my heart, my life, and in our church, if, if faith can release the hands of God to work, is it not fair to say that unbelief can tie the hands of God? Can restrict the movement of God? Think about the power of faith for just a moment. The scripture paints faith as a prevailing force that can release the power of God to do remarkable things. The author of Hebrews, I know that many of you have read Hebrews 11, but bear with me to read just a few of these scriptures. Hebrews eleven thirty-two, And what shall... I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of 
Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets. Now there's already been a long, long list that's led up to this. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. These mighty men and women of Hebrews 11 operated by exercising great faith in the God they served. The church of this 21st century then cannot, cannot afford to confuse real faith, real faith with just positive thinking. I love to be around positive people. I love to be around people that, you know, they just kind of see the glass half full and, I mean, they, they just, just yes, it's just right on the end of their lips. I mean, can we? Sure. I mean, we'll figure out a way. Absolutely. There is, now I'm not talking about being silly and pretentious, but I'm just talking about that's just how they live. They, they just have this can-do attitude. I love to be around people like that. I pull as many of those people into my life as I possibly can. But we cannot afford to confuse real, legitimate faith with just the power of positive thinking because faith is far more than that. Hebrews 1 and 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now, I'm, we're talking about two different things now. I'm hoping for something, but I have no evidence of it whatsoever. And that almost sounds dangerous. I mean, that kind of sounds silly. It's, we're not careful. That sounds a little wild, fireish. <laughs> it is the substance. Faith is the substance of hope. It is the very foundation of which hope is built on. The things that we have a divine assurance of, but it's far more than that. Faith is the evidence of unseen reality. I don't know really how to describe this. I'll just take a few minutes and do my best. But for the longest time, not that we don't see any evidence with our eyes, by, by, by all means we do, but for the longest time, and I mean when I say that, I'll be more clear, I mean for several years, I have felt that God is doing something uh, beneath the surface maybe is a phrase. God is doing something in this church beneath the surface that exceeds what I can behold with my eyes. I believe that. I, this is not just an illustration for this sermon. I believe that with all of my heart. And, and, and there are times that I, I feel like that we didn't respond really as a church to, uh, as to what God was going to do, or I didn't respond to maybe what God wanted to do in my heart. And, and I go home and I analyze me, and I go home and analyze us as a body, and, and, and not to critique and be judgmental. I just feel like that's part of my job. I need to figure out what we're doing right, if we're doing something right, and figure out what we're doing wrong, if we're doing something wrong. 
but I have this undergirding, this, this thing that has kind of held me in the hands of, uh, of, of security for a long time has been the fact that I can sense that God is doing something beneath what I can just see here. And you know what? I see a plenty of heads nodding. Amen. I, I feel some affirmation here that I'm not alone in this. That, that maybe what we thought we were going to see happen last Sunday or the Sunday before, maybe that didn't happen, but that's not to say that God, amen, wasn't there just somewhere underneath. Here is what I'm driving at. Amen. I'm going to tell you that faith is the foundation of hope, but it is, it is also the evidence. Faith is the evidence of unseen realities. Amen. I believe we've yet to see what God, amen, has planned. I believe we have yet to taste and experience what God is wanting to set forth even in our midst. And so that my faith, amen, my faith is standing on, amen, the evidence, amen, the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. There's something in my heart. I feel it. I see it. It's as real as anything has ever been real in my spirit, but it hasn't been born yet. It hasn't come to fruition yet, but I see it. There's some evidence. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel this in my heart. I, I, I remember when my wife, when my wife was carrying Justin in, in the very first doctor's visit, she wasn't really showing yet. It wasn't really apparent that she was with child. But I remember when we went into that, into that little doctor's office and, 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 and they put that little gizmo up. Amen. And I began to hear, I began to hear that noise, that sound. Yeah, it wasn't a sound that I'd really ever heard before. It wasn't a sound that, that I could relate to. But the doctor said, you hear that? Amen. That's a heartbeat. You hear that? That's a child. That's a baby. Amen. You couldn't see form. You couldn't see any, any description, but you could just hear life. You could just hear life. I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to drive this illustration in the ground, but I'm going to tell you to underscore what I'm saying. Whenever I come into the church house this morning, amen, I, 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 I wish every vacant spot was full. Yes. I wish there were chairs down the aisle. I wish there was standing room only. But you know what? Amen. I'm not discouraged by that because I hear something. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not discouraged by that because I hear something. And what I hear is the sound of life. What I hear is the sound of life. I can't hold it. I can't touch it. I can't name it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I feel it. I hear it. I sense it. Faith. 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 It's up to me. It is up to me. It is up to me. And here, woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so that's why I'm planning, not by what I see. I'm planning by what I hear. I'm planning for the future, not just because of what I can touch, what I can hold, but I'm planning because I hear something. I hear something. And it's up to me. Oh, it's up to me. It's up to me. Woo. My God, my God. I'm going to tell you what we did shortly thereafter. We went home and started painting a, painting a bedroom. We started fixing up. Started planning. Because a man I had never even met before. 
drug out a machine I had never even laid my eyes on before and let me listen to a noise I had never heard before. And he called it life. <laughs> you better be careful about well is this just the carpenter you better be careful you better be careful isn't this the brother of James isn't, you better be careful isn't his sisters among us you better be careful amen well not my notes you may be seated it's not my notes but let me say it again one man and woman was blessed by God and said in the time of life, in the time of space of life, you're gonna have a child. And the father was like a lot of us, full of buts. But, 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 but. And the Lord said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna need to do with you. I'm gonna strike you mute for nine months. Because if I don't, you're gonna talk yourself out of a miracle. Now, I know I've used this illustration before through the years, but it resonates in my heart. And so he got robbed of a lot of things. Now, she, she kept swelling by the day. What do you think about this? All he could do was... I'm not, pardon me, I'm not trying to be. Feel here, feel here, I just felt him kick. So limited in what he could contribute to the circumstances. My God, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Amen, I'm gonna tell you. From now until it happens, I want to be more, I want to be able to do more in this church besides. Amen. I want to be able to do more than just. But I'm going to tell you when I feel something kick in the womb of God, I want to say, hey, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want to be able to respond, but it's up to me. It's up to me. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. Say it with me. It's up to me. It's up to me. It's up to me. Oh, my God. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Ooh. 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 Hakala Oh. I gotta I gotta be willing to step out. Unbelief. Hear me. Is denying the substance. 
of things that we already have in the divine assurance for. Unbelief, the opposite of faith. Faith is the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Unbelief is to live in denial of that. More tragically, it is relegating ourselves to living without the evidence of unseen realities. I'm going to sentence myself to a life of never seeing it come to fruition. That's what unbelief will do for you. And God will not work through unbelief. Amen, he will not. You know, we've been talking about building for several years and I hope you haven't lost faith in that. But I'm gonna tell you how I've been trying to treat this from a pastoral and ministerial leadership shepherd point of view. I have tried my best to keep one eye on the economic status of our country. It's the real world we live in. But I have been so careful, my wife will attest to this. I've been so careful even in conversations, private conversations between me and her, private conversations between myself and other pastors and their wives because I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna let my lack of, I didn't wanna let my concern come across as lack of faith because I didn't want God to put his hand over my mouth. Am I telling the truth, Jackie? Have I been telling the truth all morning? a <laughs> girl. <laughs> so while I've been trying to watch the wind and observe the weather, I haven't wanted to take one eye off God because I didn't want God to say, well, let me just do it, but I'm gonna shut you up because I want to enjoy every moment of the experience. I want to do more than that. I want to do more than that. Amen, I want the Lord to move. Now listen, I got to come in for a land and I see some lonely eyes peering through the windows back there. <laughs> Saying, well, he's at it again. Got people around here teaching Spanish classes on Thursday night. Now they've started an English class for our Spanish constituency after the Spanish class. And there's probably some people here who want me to take a time telling class. <laughs> Are you game? <laughs> the big hand here, the little hand there. Uh, I, I don't want to leave with the wrong impression because I, I don't want to take away heroes of faith by no means. But... When you think about Elijah, and I'm gonna run through this quickly, but when you think about Elijah, here's Elijah, 1 Kings 18 on Mount Carmel, 18, chapter 450 prophets of Baal. And he obviously comes out victorious. Chapter 19 opens with a threat from Jezebel, says you, you, your head is mine. We see him running to the juniper tree and hiding himself, just asking the Lord to take his life. And then the Lord sends him to the mountain and. And, and, and he asked him, you know, what's going on, Elijah? I mean, I'm just putting this in church leave language, but he said, what's going on, what's going on Elijah? Well, I'm just here, I'm all by myself, and, and I'm, you know, I'm just trying to do the right thing, Lord. 
So we could go to the mountain. And so 40 days, Elijah kind of wanders and wanders. And then that's when we hear about Elijah trying to find him in the earthquake and in the thunder. And then finally he finds him in a still, small voice. This whisper of the Lord speaks to him. And, and in this whisper, the Lord says, what are you doing here? What, what's up, Elijah? So, and he repeats the same thing. Well, I alone, I'm just here all by myself, just trying to do the right thing, Lord. Nobody but me. Poor old pitiful me. Poor old pitiful me. I'm not trying to introduce any new doctrine. But I just want to give you a train of thought. It was right here. Right there. That the Lord said, well, I'll tell you what you do. You anoint this one to be a priest. You anoint that one to be a king. You anoint this, this, this. And he said, and then go find Elisha. And you anoint him to take your place. I'm in the book now. I'm, I'm just thinking that it didn't have to end this way. I'm not trying to pull Elijah off our pedestal of someone to look to. He did great things, but he could have done more. But he got caught up. And the Lord said, the only thing I know to do at this point is just to find somebody to be your voice. And God took the mantle of Elijah and put it on the shoulders of Elisha. I'm, I'm just trying to provoke our thoughts. I don't want God to have to anoint somebody else to fulfill what he wanted to fulfill in my life. So it's up to me. It's up to me. I gotta keep my spirit right even when Jezebel is after me. Say it. That's the double portion. <laughs> Stand and say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen, amen, amen. I hope you got that. I'm telling you that don't go to your grave with your anointing relegated to someone else because we didn't have the wherewithal to stand and be counted. And I can't do that for you. And you can't do that for me. What we're talking about is up to me. So I got to sweep my front porch every day and make sure my life is right. Sister Barbara, every morning I kneel in the living room and I ask God, forgive me of my sin and iniquity. You with me now? I'm not asking you just to forgive me of my sins of deed, but I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins of thought and intent. I need you to watch this. I need you to watch this. Watch this. I need you to watch this. Forgive me of the things, Lord, that I may have set my hand on. And forgive me, Lord, of things I might have put my mind to. I need to start out today. Wash this slate. Wash it. Cleanse it. 
Cleanse it, cleanse it, Lord, cleanse it, Lord. Why? Because I don't want him to remove the candlestick out of my life. I'm preaching to you today with the help of the Lord. Amen, don't remove the candlestick out of my life. I'm not saying that to generate fear in your heart, in your life, but I say that to stir us to this central truth that God desires to do a work in us in this hour. Let's stand together. Amen, our musicians, please come. God is not has relegated himself, hear me. God has relegated himself to both the strengths and the weaknesses of mankind. Now, I take great consolation in this. I know we got a little movement, but stay with me. God has limited himself to mankind's strengths and weaknesses. And so those days that I just wholly blow it, Man, don't let your mind wander. I'm just on those days that I just missed the mark. I just, Lord, I just didn't accomplish today what I should have accomplished. I take that sense of remorse with me to a prayer room and I say, Lord, I take consolation in several things. I know that you know the thought and the intent of my heart. Right? And I know, Lord, that you understand me, that you said we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and so you know you know what makes me tick. So I'm asking you for a better tomorrow. I'm asking you for more determination tomorrow. Amen, I don't think that I'm alone when I say this. I wanna be strong when I need to be strong. David said to Solomon, hear me, David said to Solomon, there are days you're going to have to stand and show thyself a man. There are going to be days you're going to stand up and show thyself a man. You're not talking about jumping up on the fence and crowing and flexing his muscles. He's going to stand and reveal your strength. And so the question is to you and to me, is God using you? And is God's and are God's blessings flowing through you? Now, I want to be real clear about something. I'm not asking you if you're involved in church work on some level. So please don't confuse doing something with your hands with God actually doing something through you. Amen? Because you know what? I don't have to backslide from a bar stool. I can backslide from this vantage point right here. I don't have to be in some honky-tonk to grow cold in God. I can do that right here. Sunday school teachers can lose out with God teaching every... Sister Ray has been involved in children's ministry for years. Am I telling the truth? You can grow cold and indifferent, and you're working every day. So I'm not asking you if you're doing something. I'm asking you, is God doing something through you? Are we doing something of eternal consequence? Because you see, one is grounded in our own confidence, in the confidence of our own talent and ability. If we're just doing something. Now I'm gonna tell you, we've got some good leaders in this church. I'm being very honest. I say that humbly, but that they need recognition. We've got Sunday school teachers. They can fix up a classroom. You don't even have to know their topic, their, their topic for, the quarter, for the quarter, you can just walk by. There is, it's in living color. 
I mean, they got such grand imaginations and they just do all sorts of things to bring that all to life. Great gifts and talents. Thank God for that. But Lord, let it be anointed. Let it be anointed. Let it be anointed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I've preached too much. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. God, I love you today. I praise you in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.